Emerging technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTech, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com slash HTEC. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids' and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and though we are in peak off-season mode, we still have a great episode for you today, one which will not feature any LeVar Ball talk, as usual. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please give us a follow there, subscribe, download, leave some reviews. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids' and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. They've got a great series going on, counting down the top 100 players in the league. I think we're around the 75 mark, so that's worth following through the rest of the summer if you need some NBA content. I'm also starting to roll out some fantasy basketball team previews starting Monday with the Atlanta Hawks, which is just the saddest way you can start that series. So check all that out, <laughs> FanRag Sports on Twitter. Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? I am currently in the fetal position because, um, well, the women's national soccer team, or football team, as it's called, Lost the European Championship final, 42 against Holland, or as you know them, the Netherlands. So I'm, I'm sitting here with tears in my eyes, Brian. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, Mort. I had no idea you were that invested in women's football. Yeah, yeah. We it it, it became a whole craze yeah. here in Denmark. <laughs> That's so. Do they yeah. qualify for like Olympics or something? How's that work, Mort? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. I have zero <laughs> idea. All I all I know is that we all, the whole country just got behind this team, and now they yeah. ended up with the silver medal, and everyone is like, gosh darn it, we're just <laughs> putting it nicely. Um, not not sure, really. Not sure. Because okay, I think Eurobasket, like, the top two qualify, but for basketball, I don't know. 
I don't remember. Oh, there might be some some football implementations that that are, that are similar. I wouldn't be surprised at all. There we go. That shows how much you know about your women's team. Where it's study up. They need your support next year. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, how's it going? Congrats to your stars, three straight wins. Yes, thank you. Very happy. <laughs> so uh, we're we're gonna finish the season on a high note. So are you? It's a good time. Are you at risk of now losing the number one pick because you guys are starting to win? I don't think so. But, <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> I would have to look. I haven't paid attention to the standings all year for reasons. Right. But um. Yeah, no. I mean, I think we're still positioned pretty well for that one. Nice, good. Yeah, that was my concern when I you told us that you had two straight wins. <laughs> of course, the, I, I should have known that would be. Your it's like, where is WNBA Tankathon? How oh, are they about God. to Lakers themselves <laughs> into a better pick? <laughs> um, all right, so let's start this week with Doc Rivers. Uh, on Friday, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Clippers is out as. Rivers is out as the Clippers president of basketball operations. Lawrence Frank, who was the executive vice president of basketball operations, is now taking over that duty. Not clear if he's just going to get a title change or if he's just going to stay executive vice president and just oversee basketball operations. Doesn't really matter. Um, So, Sarah, your team, the Spurs, are basically the model that everyone wants when they envision this dual coach president role um you know pop has final say on basketball matters they have rc buford who is also great at his job um and they have remained relevant for 20 years with those two guys basically manning the you know they haven't been there the entire time but they've been a fixture of that organization for a while so right do you think they're the outlier or do you think it's replicable I wouldn't say that it isn't replicable, but it's um, definitely rare. I think Ramona Shelburne was tweeting about that the other day when the news broke that you know the relationship that those two guys have is is not something that comes along every day, um, coupled with the fact that they're both really good at their jobs, so that helps. Right. Um, (laughs) They definitely have a a trust factor, which is huge, because I think well, you know what? What's going to be interesting here is to see. I think this was a good move uh, for the Clippers, but you know, is Doc gonna trust Lawrence Frank to do the job, or is he going to still kind of be trying to do the job even though it's not his job anymore? That'll be the interesting thing to see. There needs to be some collaboration there and a shared vision, but you know, he can't he can't still be preoccupied with that, or else it isn't going to work out. They have to trust each other. Right. Definitely, yeah. Um, and I thought there was actually Steve Ballmer spoke with Woj uh, as part of the story, and I thought he gave a really interesting quote about kind of what fueled this decision. Um, he said, quote, It turns out that running a franchise and coaching are two enormous and different jobs. The notion that one person can fairly focus on them and give them all the attention they need isn't the case. To be as good as we can be, to be a championship franchise, we need two functioning, strong people building teams out beneath them. There needs to be a healthy discussion and debate with two strong, independent-minded people. So, Mort, with that in mind, how do you feel about this move from the Clippers? Well, can you administrate two full-time positions without going batshit crazy? Sure can't. I tried it for six months. It was a terrible idea. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that that basically, you know, is my response. You you can't handle both those gigs unless you're Tom Thibodeau, essentially, right. because he doesn't have a life. The basketball is his life, so that doesn't even qualify. I'm not even sure he's human at this point. He's an android. <laughs> yeah. But um, Doc Rivers, not loving that they bring him back because I think he's kind of an overrated coach. However, I enjoy the fact that Steve Ballmer wised up and, and just split the positions into two. Mm-hmm. They needed to. You have to focus on one thing and... You know, Lawrence Frank has to focus on the other. It just creates a better symmetry, which is the ultimate goal of an organization. It isn't to let one guy just burn burn himself up through you know, having too many hats on. It's it doesn't function like that. Before we started recording, Brian, you you used the perfect example with Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. Like Pop, the coach would probably love an upgrade at the small forward position, but Pop, the GM, would not give up a first round draft <laughs> pick for Jeff Bloody Green. Right. right? So. That that's a perfect analogy to just describe the situation. Um, so yeah, good move, Clippers, in in you know making the organizational structure more clear. Mm-hmm. You know, bad job, Clippers, in in taking Doc Rivers back. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't hate Doc as much as you, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I, well, think... I don't hate Doc. That's a strong word. <laughs> but I don't dislike his coaching acumen as much as you. I don't mind that he's back there we as go. the coach. Um, but I do. I agree with both of you that it was a smart move from the Clippers. Uh, <laughs> more, as you said, they have been uh, pretty wasteful with their draft picks over the past few years. Um, this year was actually the first time that I can remember where they actually made some smart moves around the draft, and they bought. Juwan Evans and Sundarius Thornwell mm. in the second round. You know, I, I would guess it. I would kind of guess that you know they brought Jerry West in as an advisor a couple months ago, and the buying the draft picks felt like a Jerry West move. Um, I wonder if he looked at the organization and saw Rivers overextended and said, "We need to separate church and state here. We need to give yeah. you know give Lawrence Frank full say over." Um, basketball operations, you know. I think, as you said, more like the 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 dual coach GM role. Unless you're Pop and you have David Robinson and Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard, and you're just going to remain relevant with 51 seasons until the end of time. Like you have to juggle the short term future and the long term future of the franchise. So the coach wants to win now, and if you have a core like the Clippers did the past few years, where you have a big three and you're somewhat limited in terms of your flexibility to build around them, you're going to take whatever shortcuts you can to get a Jeff Green and hope he's the answer. Or, you know, try try to build out your bench however you can because you're limited to basically cap exceptions and minimum contracts. So, like, draft picks are your one key asset that you can actually trade. Whereas the GM can look three, five years down the line and say, like, well, you know, Chris Paul's a free agent in 2017. He might leave. Blake Griffin's a free agent in 2017. He might leave. If we're trading draft picks in 2018, 2019, 2020, they damn well better be protected because otherwise, you know, we mm-hmm. could be giving up a primo pick uh, those years, which is what, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers did. Like David Griffin, that was one of the smartest things he did with that Kyle Korver trade. He, they traded a 2019 first-round pick to Atlanta, but they top ten protected it because Kyrie, Kevin Love, uh, or Kyrie, 
if they traded him, LeBron would be gone anyway in 2018. Like, that team could be very bad in 2018. And that top 10 protection could come into play. So, you know, we've seen it with just guys who don't have the front office experience. Vlad Divac comes to mind especially. that There are just so many smart GMs in the league trying to find little tiny ways to take advantage of inexperience. You know, if it's just a matter of, like, yeah, just don't protect the draft pick or, like, throw in a pick swap, it won't come back to bite you. Um, I think it's good to have a guy in Lawrence Frank now who can focus on that aspect of the job full-time. I thought it was interesting. Wojnarowski said that Adam Silver, the commissioner, has, quote, privately expressed concerns to owners and senior franchise officials in several instances, case-by-case, about the dynamic of the coach-in-charge model. Um, And we saw this offseason as well, Mike Budenholzer of the Atlanta Hawks lost his president title. Travis Schlenk, the new GM, they shifted basketball operations to him. So now there are only three coaches left in the NBA who have final authority over basketball decisions. Pop, who we already talked about, Tibbs in Minnesota, and then Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. So I want to talk about each of them briefly. Uh, Mort, you've had experience with Tibbs for a while. Do you think he's capable of doing juggling both of those roles successfully? Well, he doesn't sleep, Brian. That's, <laughs> that's a pretty good opening, right? right? I mean, he's if there's a guy in the NBA who does two full-time jobs, it's probably Tibbs because you know he's known to to stay up at insane hours. Like I, I remember a story from years ago when he was with the Bulls. Um, he had, he had apparently met into the office like pretty early in the day. And that was pretty custom. Um, and then a couple of guys, you know, went in and out throughout the course of the day, went home, spent time with family and came back to do some work. And there was still light on in his office. And you found out that tips hadn't left. Like he'd been there from like way early in the morning to like basically almost 24 hours. And he was just working his ass off. So that's, that's tips mm-hmm. for you. But Here's the thing. Everyone can't be tips. You need to eat. Right. You need to sleep. You need to have time to spend with your family as well. Like, you, you can't just have a profession. You need to have a life as well. Like, this is something that we forget when we talk about the NBA. Players, coaches, executives, each and every one has a personal, private relationship to family and friends and whatnot. That needs to come into those hours of the day as well. And Sarah, I know that you you work for the San Antonio Stars organization. Man, I know you you have a story about not eating, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just yesterday we were in the midst of a of a back to back at home, and yeah, I mean our staff is much smaller than the NBA staff, of course. But but yeah, that happens with us all the time. We were just talking about it in the locker room. Uh, as the game was getting ready to start, we were all trying to get dressed to get out on the court. You know, we have to change into our somewhat professional clothes. Um, and uh, our strength coach was like, man, I was just thinking, I'm really hungry. And then I realized I forgot to eat. I was like, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> like, you know, but yeah, a lot of times we just end up eating um, some of the snack bars that I put out for the players. <laughs> that's That's like our meals throughout the day. So I can only imagine you know, what it's like to try to be a coach and a GM or a coach and a president of, of operations because 
I'm just the equipment manager and and yeah I got I got asked the other day like what what else could you use to make the job easier and really the main thing that I came back to was more hours in the day <laughs> they're just they're just <laughs> aren't enough so like if we could purchase some of those that would be great yeah definitely I mean that, that honestly sounds like a doctor schedule like my wife is doing an ICU mm-hmm. rotation this week and she's she goes in at like six in the morning comes out at nine at night and like they don't have time to eat like I've been making her PB and J's all week and like sometimes they don't even do that so you know yeah. I, d- different professions but like I'm sure <laughs> especially in a dual coach GM role like I'm sure it that it, you know similarly demanding like you could easily just work for 14 or 15 hours and like it's nine o'clock all of a sudden you're like oh what what happened to my day and like yeah. when when's the last meal i had when's the last time i went to the bathroom like these are things yeah. you need to take care of yourself because you're otherwise gonna like wear down physically and emotionally and that's not great either but you know the both roles are just so demanding it's hard to see how most people can handle them well i mean even in san antonio sarah like pop has final say but like rc buford from what i understand is like the main you know he's doing the day-to-day work it's just like Mm -hmm. he'll come to pop and say like all right pop we're gonna offer manu three years 36 million can i get your sign off right (laughs) right i'm sure that's probably how it works um rc does his job and pop trusts him to do it but i'm sure they have conversations you know every now and then to check in and yeah just make sure they're on the same page yeah so the other do, one that do you guys things do you guys think that tips is getting his sustenance through scouting reports <laughs> he eats like scouting I'm, reports. I'm sitting there just thinking how tips actually physically survives and yeah. i have this idea that he just eats scouting reports or something that's just how he gets his energy i, I don't understand like how he can survive physically. I'm, he's a robot. I, I'm pretty sure that's the most likely explanation is that he's yeah. just not human. Um, but, but then, so Tibbs, as you mentioned, Mort, uh, <laughs> bachelor, uh, notoriously single, and can devote 20 hours a day to basketball if he wants. Stan Van Gundy in Detroit, meanwhile, has a family and still has this coach uh, president role. So, Sarah, do you think... Is he the next one, do you think, who's going to lose that dual role, or do you think he's also going to be able to keep it? First, I want to take a moment to appreciate the fact that you mentioned that he has a family, and just the fact that usually we, we only do that with women, right, who have jobs. It's like, well, yeah. she has a family. Can she do this job? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Everybody has families that you want to see at some point. Yes. Yeah. Um Except for like Tibbs and yeah me, the but but even me, I'd like to see my my parents and my brother sometimes. Jeez, um, yeah, I, I I think it would not be a bad move for the Pistons to to maybe look elsewhere. Of course, you know it always depends on the coach. He mm-hmm. may not not be agreeable to that, and then maybe you lose him as a coach, and you have to think about that as well. But and I like I said, I think it's I understand why it's attractive to coaches to want to have that final say because a lot of times they're judged on their ability to produce wins or losses from a roster that they don't construct Mm -hmm. so i get why you want to have control over that part of it um but it is it's just so demanding of a job and 
you know, the Pistons, to, to Stan's credit, of course, he just came in recently, but they did push the Cavs, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago in the first round. Or not push them that much, but they competed, I will say. Um, but since then, they've kind of overpaid role players, as you mentioned before we recorded, Brian. Uh, you know, they brought in Boban to mm-hmm. not play. He actually played, <laughs> I just looked, he played a minute less average per game than what he played with the Spurs. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, I don't know what they're doing roster wise. It hasn't made a lot of sense. Uh, so yeah, maybe you give Stan this year and then you look, you look elsewhere next summer. Yeah. The, I think the Pistons are at a weird inflection point too, because as you mentioned, Sarah, they, you know, they pushed or they <laughs> maybe didn't push the Cavs cause they still got sweat, right. but like they competed, <laughs> like they were frisky. Yep. Um, they showed up. Yeah, they were on the court <laughs> with the Cavs. Right, right. They made the playoffs. That's we could all agree on that <laughs> terminology. Um, but then you know Reggie Jackson was just a shell of himself. Has dealt with a knee injury all year. Andre Drummond kind of stagnated. We heard trade rumors dating back to the trade deadline in February about both of those guys, and it sounds like I think Zach Lowe was the one who reported like they were just underwhelmed by all the offers they've received, so they didn't make a move. Um, you know, to Stan's credit, he made some really good trades. Like uh, getting Tobias Harris was great. They didn't give up that much for Reggie Jackson, and he played at a pretty high level the first year he was in Detroit. Um, but <laughs> Sarah, as you said, like they've overpaid Boban, Aaron Baines, Ish Smith, Langston Galloway, John Lewer. It forced a situation where they have so many overpaid role players that they had to give up on Contavious Caldwell Pope. They like they couldn't feasibly max him out. Because then they're suddenly pushing up against the luxury tax for a team that missed the playoffs last year, is you know has the ceiling of like a sixth seed and is going nowhere fast. Um, so it, it, I do I do wonder if uh, Van Gundy is next on the list of soon to be only coaches in, in the coach president role, but. Uh, yeah, I think that the Pistons are just... It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with them just from a roster-building standpoint over the next 12 months. Yeah, can I just interject that we absolutely loved the John Lewis signing when it happened? Yeah, well, And now, yeah. we're, now we're crapping on it. I just, wanted, I just want to point out that we loved it, mm-hmm. Brian. We were sitting there just basically giving Detroit an E fellatio about this <laughs> signing, and then now we're crapping on it. Yeah. Just how quickly the tides turn, right? I think, you know, a lot of it is what happened with the cap these past two summers. Like, it's really hard to find the contract signed in 2016 that I like now. Yeah, yeah agreed. You know, like, it, that summer was the worst summer. I, I haven't gone back and studied this. But I would say if it's not the worst summer to have cap space in NBA history, it is certainly up there as one of the worst. Because, like, you teams just acted like this was going to keep flowing, and then it didn't. And the cap only went up $5 million. So all of a sudden, we return to, like, you know, there, there's the occasional outlier deal this summer, Tim Hardaway uh, most notably. But, like, by and large, contracts signed this summer were far more reasonable than those signed last summer. So, like... You know, a guy like Andre Roberson only getting $10 million a year. Uh, Kyle Lowry and George Hill not getting, like, four- and five-year max deals. Like, yeah. suddenly we return to somewhat normalcy, 
Um, so if you overpaid a role... Or sanity. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the, the Langston Galloway signing. Like, they signed him the first day of free agency, three years, $21 million, you know, under last summer's contract model, that's a pretty good <laughs> signing. Yeah. But, like, yeah. you could have gotten a comparable player probably for, like, a minimum deal this summer. Like, once the cap dried up, there are still a bunch of quality players on the free agent market. Like, Jermichael Green still hasn't signed. Nerlens Noel right. still hasn't signed. Like, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope would, you know, became an unrestricted free agent. They rescinded his free agent rights. Like, there are a bunch of guys out there this year you could have signed. So, like, signing a, you know, lure. Like, what, he was four years, around $40 million, is that right? Yeah, something along those lines. But you, you're lying. You're lying to me a little bit here because you said you did not like any deal last year. Basically, you love bad deals because you just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> right, that's right. true. Yeah, I should say I don't like them from a positive roster construction standpoint. I love them from a hilarity standpoint because now <laughs> there are so many teams this summer that have had to just salary dump. Like Alan Crabb got salary dumped. Uh, yeah, I have the DMs done. to prove this. Yeah, I have the I have your reaction <laughs> DMs to prove all yeah. this. You love uh, anarchy. Oh my god, I I will openly admit that. That's not even <laughs> <laughs> as long as it doesn't affect the Sixers. By all means, just throw money away. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & more all right let's move on we're not going to talk about lavar ball we are going to talk about some mildly outrageous comments from an actual basketball legend michael jordan he was in the news <laughs> twice this week uh he's he does basketball camps every summer and campers always ask him questions they always said something outrageous and it becomes a story in mid-august because that's what the nba is in mid-august just waiting for any minor piece of news so one camper this week uh asked Kawhi or asked about Kawhi Leonard uh based on the could Kawhi score on Kawhi campaign um and then Mike replied that uh he thinks Kawhi Leonard is the league's best two-way player according to ESPN.com's mm. Michael Wright Sarah uh <laughs> could you remove your Homer glasses for a second and you... I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let so, me just stop you right there. So you, I'm going to guess you are in agreement with the GOAT that Kawhi is sure. currently the league's best two-way player. <laughs> Look, 
I, I'm not uh, ignorant of the fact that Michael has his own reasons, I'm sure, for saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt that Kawhi is a Jordan brand athlete, for one. Um, it also doesn't hurt that uh, Michael Jordan has his own ego, and I'm sure <laughs> does not like hearing that LeBron James, for one, is, is possibly passing him, or has passed him. I'm sure he's heard all the debates. Um he likes to try to put, I think, LeBron down any any chance he gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, who knows? I mean, he hasn't really mentioned Kevin Durant that I've heard. I have not been in the news a lot lately, but I don't know if he specifically brought that up or anyone asked him about Kevin. But for me, I mean, you guys know what I think. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm right there with you. Thank you, Mort. It's it's yeah. I, he's not wrong as far as nope. if you ask me. Uh, Duncan Smith uh, on Twitter at Duncan Smith NBA posted a bunch of synergy profiles uh, mm-hmm. a couple days back. I think it was August second, and Kawhi's just there if you care to look. <laughs> and basically, what it boils down to is he is really good at everything except for I think uh, what was it coming off screens not 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 the ball handler off the screen but shooting off a screen or something like that mm-hmm. which is probably because he doesn't really get an opportunity to do that a lot right uh, in our offense um but yeah he's just freaking fantastic at everything offensively and i'm sorry i still would say he's a better defender than kevin durant i know everyone wants to say kevin durant's like the best player in the world now um which is funny and another thing that just uh, reinforces the decision that he made last summer if the yeah. if the title and the finals MVP didn't already uh, because no one was rushing to say that uh, last year yeah, or yeah. even really before June <laughs> so you know, now it's the hot thing to say uh, I still see him from time to time get lost uh, when he's not the on-ball defender mm. I still will see him fall asleep uh, which is not something that quite tends to do and in fact as we talked about all last year teams are purposely trying to bury him off the way off the side the weak side from the ball and he still finds ways to get involved so to me he's still the better defender and he's right there offensively it's certainly an argument yeah. uh, and i will admit that i have my homework glasses on but <laughs> but Kawhi is is right there that's not an outlandish statement at all for sure and lebron he doesn't defend to that level anymore consistently mm-hmm. either yeah yeah yeah, I, I I think the debate is definitely between no offense to LeBron, who like as we've seen when he wants to turn it on, he's still elite on that end, but mm. he doesn't. You know, he's he's in preservation mode for most regular seasons now. He's got his for, eyes. If you if you don't play defense for thirty of your thirty six thirty eight minutes, I mean, right? Yeah, like he has the ability if he wants to, but he has to do so much on the offensive end that. He's preserving his energy for that. And, you know, fair. That's fine. Good for him. Uh, but, Mort, <laughs> you are also in best two-way player Kawhi camp. Yep. Yep. Simply because of the defense. Like, he's outstanding offensively, but defense is where he's, you know, that's his calling card. Two-time defensive player of the year. Uh, he, he's just a consistent defender. He's not one to take plays off, which is really mind-boggling. When I, I watched a hell of a lot of San Antonio last season as well, and I figured with the increased workload offensively mm-hmm. that I, I expected him to Joe Johnson it a little bit, you know, <laughs> just defensively speaking, just, oh, okay, there's a screen. I'm going to half-acidly go through it, whatever. Dude just 
somehow found that Tom Thibodeau energy we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I'm not sure what Kawhi eats, but uh, <laughs> might might be you know people who are trying to play offense. I think he eats them. He definitely drinks their milk sh- milkshake. So, um, he eats batteries. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the software upgrade. I'm I'm just not sure how he does it. It's it's really fantastic. He is so on defensively speaking. I mean, if he plays a 40 minute game. You can count on at least twenty twenty five minute twenty five minutes of high intensity defensive intensity. So, you know that's that matters to me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I mean, I know that when LeBron turns it on, he's arguably a more disruptive defender, mm-hmm. and he has a greater defensive influence than Kawhi might have in those minutes. But if Kawhi had those same bursts, I'm not sure that he wouldn't be able to match LeBron either. But it just matters to me that you play defense for a longer period of time every game. Yeah. It just it gives you a better chance of winning basketball games, period. So um and given the fact that Kawhi averaged well, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think per thirty six minutes he was like twenty seven points a game per thirty six, something like that, on elite efficiency. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, he's the best two way player in the game. I love K D, but Sarah just annihilated every argument for K D and I agree completely. He still has lapses. He still has those moments where he just doesn't understand, oh, the the weak side screen is coming here. Where should I locate myself? And then he just survives because of the long arms and the fact that when other people step three times, he just uses one and he's in the same place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Kawhi's defensive and offensive IQ and impact is just so great. And I still think he was robbed of the MVP this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to return that one. Oh. Every chance I'm going to we'll, get, we'll get he was I, robbed. I, yeah, I hate the arguments always about take this guy off of this team or switch them to right. this team. You know, I talked about that before. But, but yeah, if you want to look at it, like, I don't know that Durant has ever had less help than what Kawhi had this year. Certainly, yeah, their, yeah, their, synergy, their synergy profiles this year are comparable offensively. And Kawhi did it with how much less shooting around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there's your argument too. Yeah, I think it's chic to say, KD. You know, it's tough. I mean, I like having just watched him like fully actualized in the finals. Like that's the best we've ever seen Kevin Durant play. Mm-hmm. So like that image is fresh in our mind. Whereas the image of Kawhi that's fresh in our mind is leading a you know twenty point lead and then getting his foot stepped on and being out for the rest of the series so like it's hard to compare the two based on recency bias but yeah I think you guys are right um you know it's close I think you know even if I, I would say it's Kevin Durant is the better offensive player Kawhi is the better defensive player so then it's a question of okay who is the gap between Kawhi's offense and defense bigger than the gap between KD's defense and offense. And that's where you have to, this is basically personal preference. Um, but yeah, Sarah, that's a good point. Like, Kevin Durant has never played, you know, he's had, I guess, except for his rookie season, he's had Russell, Wisp- Russell Westbrook or Steph Curry with him at all times. He had James Harden for a while, he had Serge Ibaka for a while. The mm. second best player on the Spurs last year was. How? Lamarcus. Lamarcus? I, Maybe yeah. Powell. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you can't even, yeah, it's not even clear. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that, it, beyond that, it was like Danny Green was better than he was the prior season, but Tony was, uh, you know, 
off and on throughout the How the year. hell did the Spurs win 61 games? I'm <laughs> looking at that roster. I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes no sense. Oh, man. Um, all right, so the other thing that MJ said this week, and Sarah, you already alluded to it, in that he <laughs> loves putting LeBron James down. So he did it again. Uh, when asked about where he who would, would he put LeBron over Kobe, Kobe over LeBron in all-time rankings... He said he'd put Kobe above LeBron because, quote, there's something about five that beats three. <laughs> kind of savage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, do we wonder why players go ring chasing when nope. Michael Jordan's saying stupid stuff like that? Like, what? he's wrong here, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. But he, here's the thing. I mean, look. Even gods can be wrong at times. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, no, what he said was just, it's his own ego. He has a relationship with Bryant. He doesn't with LeBron. He's all about rings. Kobe emulated his game, which spoke to MJ's enormous ego. LeBron is, is not someone Mike really can relate to. I think that really is the crux of the matter. I also think Mike took it extremely personally that that people in the media crowned LeBron as the next Michael coming out of high school, mm. which was wrong. I mean, look, let, let's. I, I get why someone would be frustrated with that, mm-hmm. but still, now that LeBron reached the, the point where he is now, now it's on Mike. Now Mike is wrong. Now yeah. Mike is the guy who's who has to say, okay. What you did back then was silly, but you turned out to be right, even though you didn't really know it. So now I, I'm going to concede that he's absolutely insanely good, and he's closer to me than Kobe ever was. Right. But that's just not Mike's style. It's not Mike's style. I'm not sure whether it's you know the past that really does this with him, but him and LeBron, man, I mean, there is something going on there. There, there is some sort of back-channel shit we don't know about. <laughs> well, I, part of it might be, like, you know, Mike was one of the, if not the first global NBA icon, and maybe he sees mm. LeBron challenging him on that front. Like, it's not only his on-court success, but, like, LeBron wants to follow in those footsteps. And, like, Kobe did too, but, you know, LeBron has, like, LeBron's got a leg up. Like, he has... He started his own, like, sports agency, basically. Or, like, you know, it, I guess he's not technically, quote-unquote, yeah, not yeah. an owner of it, but, like, it's his best friend running the organization. Like, he's got his own production company that already has TV shows coming out. Like, Kobe is now going into that role as, now that he's retired, but, mm. like, LeBron has a five, ten-year head start on that. So, like, right. maybe I don't... that's where some of that hostility comes in. But I think you're right, more that he's just pissed that, like, people were saying, well, you know, LeBron, after he beat the Warriors in 2016, people were saying, like, look, LeBron's got a real shot to surpass Mike if he hasn't already. Well, yeah, all right. Look, that the thing was people went took it a bit further back then. I remember that. Like, they were crowning LeBron as the greatest ever, mm-hmm. like, after that series. And I think that pissed Mike off but you know I which I kind of get because no you put LeBron in the conversation Mm -hmm. like that that Cleveland championship as you just said Brian so beautifully was that puts him in the conversation 
it doesn't surpass Mike. Mm -hmm. Like, a couple of new championships with the Cavs or anywhere else, basically, where he's the number one guy. Now, that could be bring the argument that they're on the same level. Whatever. It's it's a fan talk, anyway. Going back to your point about the whole, like, being an icon or whatnot, I'm not sure that's it, because when you really think about it, the Air Jordan brand, yeah, like, everyone knows it. Like, Oh, the newest Jays? Yeah, the new Jays, man, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's even even though Mike retired in what, two thousand and three as a wizard no less. I mean right. look. Nineteen ninety eight was the real, you know, retiring year. Mm-hmm. Next year that's twenty years ago. Yeah. Kids in their, you know, ten, eleven years old are still Mom, can I have money for the new Air Jordans? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's like the iconic stature, like a threat of that, because LeBron, and I don't understand why LeBron never did this, like why he never got on, you know, talked to Nike about creating a shoe that wasn't, that was like created by Nike, but had his own logo and whatnot, like, like Mike did. Mm-hmm. Even with Kobe, who had his own logo, you still had the swoosh. Right. You still had like the Nike branding. Mm-hmm. Mike was just, he was above all that. He was beyond it. Like... I don't understand why neither Kobe nor LeBron just went to Nike and said, "You know what? Give me the DMJ treatment." Oh, it, it, I think that would have, I mean, that would have been more iconic for them. That would have brought them up to the level field. But look, in ten years, twenty years, are we are we really gonna go like, oh, the new LeBrons? Are we gonna go, oh, the new Jays? Mm-hmm. No. I still think Jays. We're gonna go, oh, the new big baller brand. Oh. <laughs> no. no. Oh, the Zoe. T- hey, mom, can I have two thousand dollars? Yeah, right. Right. I need to buy a pair of sandals. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the new big baller uh, socks have come out. Can I have five hundred dollars, please? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you, you're probably right on that word. That you know, no one's ever going to touch MJ in that regard. No offense to Lonzo and his ridiculous father, but MJ. You know, he, he... You're breaking your own rule here, Brian. No LeVar Ball talk. I, I didn't say his name. Uh, it's like Voldemort. Just he who shall not be named. <laughs> um, oh, this is August. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sarah, where do you stand on the Kobe-LeBron thing? Is it Mike just being petty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just being a little petty. But it's all in good fun. I mean, that's kind of what you would expect from these guys like we said they all have large egos it's not surprising uh, you just go back to jordan's uh hall of fame speech mm-hmm. like you know he, he keeps a checklist of you know where he feels he's been wronged and it goes back to high school yeah and probably further yeah. so yeah i mean it's it's no surprise and it's really not a big deal either yeah he's the i love the hall of fame speech i know people hated <laughs> on it but it's just it was him like you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was genuinely mike I love that. I hope LeBron kind of comes out of his shell a little bit when he's he's going up to you know get introduced to the Hall of Fame, and whatnot, and he goes with his speech. I hope LeBron just eviscerates people. Yeah, like oh that my would God. be amazing. And to skip Bayless, <laughs> oh yeah, just a, a five minute speech. He should just read Richard Deitch's tweets about like every time Skip Bayless tweets something stupid. Richard Deitch of Sports Illustrated, the media critic, uh, will always like quote tweet it with like. 
<laughs> the Undisputed, the Skip Bayless led Undisputed, has a 0.0 rating in 22 major U.S. Oh, yeah. markets, including <laughs> Minneapolis. Or like, Bubble Guppies had 980,000 viewers. Undisputed had 100,000. <laughs> LeBron should just spend his entire Hall of Fame speech just reading those tweets. That oh, I would watch that 20 <laughs> times in a day. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I would too. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Let's move on to Andrew Wiggins. Some news on that front. Um, he told Ben Golliver of Sports Illustrated that he is, quote, definitely worthy of a max contract, quote, nothing less. Uh, according to Sid Hartman of the Star Tribune, the Wolves are planning on giving him exactly that. So, Mort, is that a good move from the Timberwolves? I mean, I've, I mean, I'm, I think I'm definitely worth being king of Denmark. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I get it. You're paying off potential, and he has stepped up, you know, every year. I just, I think he's so far away from being that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still struggles defensively. He's inefficient offensively. He's a horrible rebounder. He's an awful playmaker. However. I get it. Like the offensive game, you know, has shown flashes. He's become more multifaceted. So it makes sense to keep him around and, and see where he, he is. Like what is he? Like twenty one, twenty two, something in that area, yeah, right? Still really young. I think twenty one. Yeah, he's so so young, and you can't argue with with his athleticism and work ethic, which is supposedly great. Like the latter part, and with tips in charge. You know, you have to expect that, at, and you know, at some point very soon, his defense is going to pick up mm-hmm. and get better. So, based on that, yeah, sure. I mean, why not? But even so, right now, it's. I mean, if, if I'm a Minnesota fan, I'm still going. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that's 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 a huge investment, and it better pay off. Yeah, I mean. I feel like the hope with Wiggins, and we talked about this when they signed Jimmy Butler, is basically that Wiggins' career arc emulates Butler, who yeah. really like rounded out his game as the years went on. And I, you know, now that they have Jimmy Butler there, like who better to learn from than Jimmy Butler of how to stretch your game out like that? Mm-hmm. And you know, the rebounding concerns, more as you mentioned, those have dated back to college. Like that is not a new thing, and it's discouraging that both that and the playmaking actually I think his turnover to assist ratio if it wasn't 
if he didn't have more turnovers than assists in college, it was pretty damn close. So, oh, he had eighty turnovers in college compared to fifty four assists. There you go. Yeah. So that like both of those things have been issues, you know, for the last four years now. Yeah. Um, and the fact he hasn't made huge strides in either department is, as you said, concerning. That said, you know, I, I think he's young enough and. Again, with Butler there, with Tibbs there, it just feels like that is the right core to help him tap into his potential. I hope. Mm. I mean, like the NBA is more fun when you've got a bunch of young, talented stars. So, like, I I don't want anyone not to reach their full potential. Uh, and Wiggins, you know, he could be like he could be a superstar if he if he hits his ceiling. He could absolutely be a superstar. So. I don't blame the Wolves for doing this. Um, you know, they, they have until, what, October 31st, I think, to actually ink the extension. Otherwise, if they don't do it, he'd be a restricted free agent next summer. There's something to be said, and we talked about this, I think, last week, right? About, you know, how the Spurs take care of their guys. Like, if Minnesota wants to build a culture from the ground up, you know, this is their first chance to really take care of one of their guys. Like they need to show the commitment to Wiggins early, you know. Don't make him test restricted free agency because yeah, if he signs, you know, if, if he signs an offer sheet with another team, a it's only going to be four years, so you're risking a year of team control. B he could sign an offer sheet with a player option and a fifteen percent trade kicker, so you could be risking two years of team control. Like you have control of the situation right now. It's probably better to slightly overpay based on expected development and potential than it is to risk pissing him off. You know, he's not going to take the qualifying offer. He's definitely going to get a huge contract next summer. Like, if Otto Porter got a max deal this summer, Andrew Wiggins is 100% getting a max deal next summer, regardless of whether it's from Minnesota or elsewhere. Um, You know, I, I would hesitate. If I'm Minnesota, I think the bigger question is, do you give him the designated rookie extension so 30 percent of the cap instead of 25 and that's probably where i draw the line mm-hmm. i would feel pretty strongly if he wants the extension now do it at 25 percent instead of 30 um sarah what would you do if you were the wolves <laughs> i i don't know um it's a kind of a tricky spot where you like, look, now that now he has next to him, as you guys talked about, Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. So, you know, you don't want to get into a place where you squeeze yourself out of being able to keep those guys happy long term. Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to be the Thunder. <laughs> and, and, you know, you lose everybody eventually, or almost everybody, potentially everybody. Um, it's it's, uh, it's kind of tough, because he is. He's a guy who I think has a lot of potential. He's kids turn into a pretty terrific scorer he's not uh not inefficient but not overly efficient either uh still not a great three-point shooter although he has gotten much better he shot around like 35 percent last year when he hovered around 30 the first two seasons um he's up to 23 points per game 23 and a half but yeah he's not giving you a lot else as, in terms of playmaking or or great defense yet, although, like I said, they're hoping that he can get there. Certainly, another year with Thibodeau, I think, will will tell us a lot. Um, so it's tricky. Uh, I 
think you, you definitely want to make him happy though. So yeah, I, I think you, you probably do it. But um, Brian Kalbrowski of Hoops Hype, I hope I didn't butcher that name. Sorry, Brian. Uh, had an article last week uh, about maxing guys before their first all-star appearance mm. and how it's gone since 2000. And uh, a lot of the guys I would say that he listed as bad, bad decisions was really injury problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Eric Gordon, Wes Matthews, Chandler Parsons. So, you know, I guess it's probably not a huge, huge risk, but then there are some, some guys that just probably shouldn't have gotten the max uh, who were good scorers and maybe even rebounders. Like one other thing they did really well, but it just wasn't enough to turn a team. But you don't have to worry about that too much with Wiggins because he's not the main guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not the only guy, so it's it's probably less of a risk because of that. Um, but this is a fun, fun article to look at too, if, if anybody's interested, because um, there's so many things to look at. Like I was looking at um, how how long did guys stay after they got their max deal? Because you mm-hmm. you know this even that's not a guarantee of they'll be there forever. Uh, T Mac was with the. The Magic, I think, four years after he was maxed. Uh, Anton Jameson got maxed oh. from Golden State. Played, yeah, <laughs> played, played. I think one year <laughs> after that. Um, so, so it's interesting. There's so many different angles to look at with that. Uh, and then you have like a Gordon Hayward situation where it's like you guys said he didn't get the extension, and then he never really forgot about that. And mm-hmm. then he had to go into free agency, and uh, Utah matched. In 2014, so that's how he got the max, but but then he ends up leaving uh, a few years later. So, so so many different uh, variables. Yeah, and with the Hayward situation, like that was the player option thing. Like he had a fourth mm-hmm. year player option, which is what enabled him to become a free agent this summer. Had they not given him that, or had they just signed him to an extension and locked him in for four years, you know, then he becomes a free agent next summer when Boston has Isaiah Thomas. They would have had Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, all of them are free agents. You have their cap hold on the books. It's a lot more difficult to sign Gordon Hayward as a free agent when you've got to address those three guys. So, mm-hmm. like that, the the Hayward switched, the Hayward situation is like the exact scenario that you hope to avoid if you're Minnesota, because then right. you know three or four years down the line, like if Andrew Wiggins can become a free agent a year or two earlier than he should have otherwise and you lose him because of that, like, it's impossible to project out that far. We don't know what mm-hmm. any team in the league is going to look like that far out. So, you know, I, yeah, an injury can really submarine any contract. So, yeah. like, a max deal is risky because of that. But if you're confident in the player he is, you're confident in his work ethic, his, you know, we don't know behind the scenes, you know, maybe he's not going to the gym as much as they would like or maybe he's there every day like maybe he's there the first one there the last one to leave and they admire that and they say all right you know this kid's got he has his priorities in the right place like he's not going out clubbing late at night every night like he's putting in the work to improve his weaknesses then i feel like they have less hesitation it also comes down to ownership's appetite to pay luxury tax eventually because you know if you're keeping Wiggins, you're keeping Towns, ideally you're keeping Butler, you're going to start flirting with the luxury tax once you have three max contract guys on the books. And maybe Butler 
leaves or maybe they don't give him a you know a four or five year max. Towns, I think we can all agree, is getting a max. <laughs> yeah. Is getting the thirty percent max if he's eligible for it, um, which he will be because he's definitely gonna get an All NBA nod, you know, two years down the line. So at that point, it's like, well, you know, how much how much are you willing to spend on this team and do they justify that price? Like, are they enough of a playoff championship contender that you're willing to pay tens, 20, 30 million in luxury taxes or even more? So we don't know. Right. And also, look, I was, I'm overly negative about Wiggins, but let's be honest here. Do we looking at Milwaukee last year when they gave Giannis Antetokounmpo a huge extension? I think mm-hmm. it was a hundred million over four years. Yep. Like, he had not broken out at that point in time, but he did. Like, his PER went from 18.8 to 26.1. Like, just to put that into context, uh, his his scoring average increased by six points. He just, you know, most improved player in the league. So I'm, I'm assuming Minnesota is looking also at that situation and going, you know what, that, that fourth year... That's that's a crucial year. Yeah. Back in the day, or not even back in the day, just a couple of years ago, we had this idea that players in their third year, that was going to be like the year. If you didn't break out by the third year, you're not going to be a star. Mm-hmm. But we've come to see that that's not really the blueprint anymore. Yeah. Because players, for whatever reason, you know, age, situation, background, they just develop in different stages and at different timelines, and some break out in year four. So they, they might be looking at Wiggins and go, okay, right now, you know, if you're looking at the advanced numbers, you are very, very average. But we can't assume that you keep on remaining average mm-hmm. for the time being. Like, you have to, at some point, you know, something is going to change, you know, physically. His basketball IQ might just have, you know, he might have a really good summer where he starts looking at patterns. The game, as we, we talked about this with Kawhi last year as well, you know the game could just start to slow down, mm-hmm. and that's when whenever we hear a player say, "Well, the game is slowing down for me." That's when we see this insane production, and we're just you know the, the wolves are probably just waiting on Wiggins to just say that and realize that and look at the game and go, "Oh, you know what? I can't do all these things." <laughs> oh, who knew? Right? Yeah, and and the moves they made this off season should help facilitate that, or you would hope they would, because now you know he's mm-hmm. not like the number one number two scorer on a young bad team like you have jimmy butler there you have taj gibson there you have jeff teague there you have some good veteran leaders in there who can jamal crawford yeah jamal crawford so like he can focus more now on the non-scoring aspect and you almost hope he does like you want him to you know you don't need to put up 25 a game andrew wiggins you could put up 18 but get us seven rebounds get us three assists get at least a steal and a block per night. You know, take better shots. Like, your field goal, if your scoring goes down, your field goal percentage should go up because you should have easier opportunities uh, based on the other improvements we made throughout the offseason. So. That defense, like, I can't imagine it won't get better. Yeah. You now have tips. Yeah. You now have Jimmy. Yeah. And you have Taj. Yeah. Like, the level of symmetry between those three is insane. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I can't imagine the young core of Minnesota not learning from that. Like you have you 
you will have two coaches on the floor in Jimmy and Taj, like defensively speaking. And you you just know that if Andrew Wiggins is not bringing it defensively, Jimmy Butler will go yeah. to him. He'll be like, sit your ass down, we're getting gear. Like, right. you have two options right here. Um, so it's going to be interesting to, to see. Um, in terms of Wiggins, like, I, I don't know if... We, I was looking at, at Milwaukee's roster because I was looking at the Giannis Antetokounmpo comp- you know, comparison and whatnot. But let me ask you a question. Like right now, as of this moment, ignore potential. Like for this coming season, would you rather have Andrew Wiggins or Chris Middleton? Mm. You, that's not fair. You know I love Chris Middleton. You know I'm, I'm I, rationally I know, high on Chris Middleton. <laughs> the reason I'm asking is that that's the perfect example you just provided. Like less shots but higher efficiency. Yeah. Like Chris, Chris is not a strong rebounder either. Mm-hmm. However, he's a good playmaker. Yep. He's a strong shooter, yep. and he's not a high volume type of guy. He just he knows his role. He knows how to contribute in positive ways throughout the court. You know, defensively, offensively, picks his spots carefully. Just understands the game. That's what I want for Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. I just want him to acknowledge to you know the team around him and how to use himself in a better way. I get it. He's twenty. I just looked up. He's twenty-two, so it'll come hopefully. But good lord, one hundred and fifty million is still a lot of money when you have that question mark over your head. At least with Giannis, he had all the statistical components that you would kind of look at and go, "Yeah, they're only going to get better." Like he was a strong rebounder. He could pass the basketball. Mm-hmm. He gathered lots of steals, lots of blocks, and he scored in transition and all these things. Where Wiggins has just not shown any of it yet. Yeah. Well, Giannis too. Yeah. They like after that the 2016 All Star break is when they first really started tinkering with him as a point guard, and he like his post All Star break splits that year were absurd. So at that point they were just like take all of our money, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. But yeah, I mean Wiggins, he broke out as a you know he's continued to increase his scoring output every year, but yeah he hasn't. The rest of it hasn't followed yet. So you're. If you're giving him that contract, you are banking on the rest of his game to continue developing and not just him being like a 25-point-per-game empty stat guy beyond that. Right, or just being an Andre Drummond type. Like, as we talked about with Andre Drummond, this guy's stagnated. Like, he's Mm -hmm. just... He's the same player now that he was, like, two years ago. Something along those lines. That's just not the area you want to in with Wiggins because if he signs for 150 mil and he keeps being this you know 16 to 18 PER player who doesn't rebound who doesn't play make who doesn't really have a whole bunch of you know doesn't have a whole a high basketball IQ and a high understanding of the game then he's untradeable for a bad reason mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I, I think you're right on the money in saying not the 30 percent 25% take it or leave it. Yeah, and, I, and he might not even be eligible for the 30%. Like, there's a strong chance that he wouldn't be because he needs to make an all-NBA team. And in the West, he's, I mean, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Conferences that's right. It doesn't yep. even matter. Oh, but, like, yeah. just the depth yeah. at forward, like, he needs to beat, you know. Kawhi, LeBron. KD. You know, Kevin, Paul George. KD. Yeah, Paul George, yeah. So, uh, depending on whether you use him as a forward, Anthony Davis. Yeah. You know how he's listed. Draymond, right? yep. Draymond, right there. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah, that's six right there. Good lord, the East sucks. Yeah. Like how many players <laughs> outside LeBron did we just talk yeah. about there? Yeah. Oh my god, the Eastern Conference. We should do one episode where we project the Eastern Conference All Stars this year because this is going to be like 
Four Cavaliers, four Celtics, Joel Embiid, Kristaps Porzingis, Miles Turner, and... and Lance Stevens. <laughs> yeah. Victor Oladipo, I guess. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I know. It gets bad really quickly. I the Raptors and the Wizards have a couple guys, but... Um, oh, God. All right. Well, actually, one side note on Chris Middleton. I, I just want to uh, mention this, mm. that we just did a redraft for Bleacher Report and that will be coming out in installments this week, uh, which is basically 30 got, thirty people. Um, 30, each person is a GM for one team. So I was the Bucks. Uh, I had the number 21 pick in the draft uh, the first round. I got Draymond Green there, which I was ecstatic about. But then, number 40, I took Chris Middleton. And I feel very, yeah, very strong yep. about Chris Middleton. Yep. There was also some nonsense that happened in the third round that I would not care to discuss, but I would just like to say that my team <laughs> should be a lot better. That it's If you see my team this week and you criticize my third round pick, um, let it be known that I had someone else there and then got <laughs> uh, retroactively overruled. So I, I, I don't have a real center as my, <laughs> in my starting five. Jonathan Isaac is my center, which uh, probably is not going to work out super well. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he can play defense. Yeah, that's more than you can say about Wiggins. Right, right. I, I literally <laughs> wanted I wanted a team that could just switch every defensive assignment. So I have a team. I think my starting five was Reggie Jackson, Middleton, Robert Covington, Jonathan Isaac, Draymond Green. So like, you're not going to score against that team. That team also might not be able to score more than seventy five yeah. a game, but at least I, I got Reggie Jackson, huh? Well, yeah, this in that's... this scenario, injuries do not exist, or it's like oh, all okay. all pre existing injuries are cured. Uh, you know, injury risk is still a thing, <laughs> but like I got Chandler Parsons later in the draft as coming off the bench because like his knees are just magically cured in this scenario. So as my six- well, in that case, you should have probably should have gone for Derrick Rose. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, healthy Derrick Rose. Uh, I don't remember where Derrick Rose went. So he went late. It, it's not like it's just like pre-existing conditions are gone. So like you've torn your all of all of the injuries have happened, but you are not experiencing adverse effects. Like they ultimately are just going to run a two K simulation. I think. And, like, I assume 2K doesn't know that Chandler Parsons doesn't have knees. At least <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my thinking going in with the sixth-round pick on Chandler Parsons. But, yeah, uh, the third round. Uh, I'm, I'm still bitter. I, I'm asking them to run an initial simulation with the guy I originally took just to see how it went. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer 
See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Let's wrap up this week with another thing from Ben Golliver. Uh, Daryl Morey, Houston Rockets GM, spoke with him about NBA awards, and he said, quote, I could argue for eliminating the, war- the awards altogether. I don't really see a good way to do it that doesn't have major issues. I like clean answers. If there's not going to be a set criteria and there's going to be issues with how it's structured, for me it might be better n- to not have it. So Preach. So you're, you, you feel... More, you've actually been saying similar things about MVP for a while now. How there's no yes, set I have. definition and that's annoying so do you think it's better to just get rid of it well maybe not get rid of it but what more more or less is advocating here is just changes Mm -hmm. like let's get at some criteria out here because it just doesn't make sense to waste time doing the, the way that it is done right now that i agree with it's just ridiculous like we have no idea what criteria you're using like i actually wrote a post uh, before the season for FanRag about why I thought it would be impossible for Russell Westbrook to win the MVP. He ended up winning the MVP. <laughs> right. And, and well, yeah, but look at it. Like, did he have the record, really, to yeah. to pull that off? Right. He probably shouldn't have, right? right? right, right. Because that, there's always been this idea that, oh, you have to finish at a certain level. You have to have a certain record. Well, that all that was thrown out the window because, <laughs> triple-double, oh, my God. <laughs> look, who the... <clears throat> Yeah, who cares mm-hmm. about a triple-double average? It's a number. It's not... It, it, this was a story that drove an MVP selection. Right. Like, he was insane. Don't get me wrong. He was absolutely batshit insane. But just it, it, if he had finished the season averaging nine rebounds and nine assists, had he gotten that award? No, he probably wouldn't even have finished in the top three of voting. Even if the team had won the same amount of games. Yeah. So, again narratives criteria stats like what's what's the rules here what are the rules are there any and if there aren't then why the hell bother then just yeah i'm not sure so what would you like the criteria to be oh good lord that's a that's a big question because i i do think it has to be like a factor of several things right However, that's that's where the hard part come in because at the end of the day, it's people yeah. that are voting for this. So one guy might look at stats and go, well, you know what? I put a lot of stock into stats. One might look at winning record, the, you know, the record and go, I like winning more. So it has to be some combination of things that could be valued somewhat equally mm-hmm. from a person-to-person perspective. Or, hell, give it to the players. Oh no! Take the media no. numbers. Out. I know, I know, I know, I know. Look, I know the the whole player award thing yeah. was ridiculous, but at least then it becomes their award, and then I can just disengage. Then they, it's just like them, and it's their thing, and we then we accept the fact that it's not based on research or whatever. It's about a gut feeling because it, look, is it really that different now? Yeah. I mean, some How? some voters don't take it seriously. Russell Westbrook just won MVP. Yeah, but look at, like, Matt Moore of CBS Sports wrote, like, 10,000 words on this MVP race. Like, 
Some voters do not take it seriously or do not take it as seriously as they should, but some voters mm-hmm. do incredible work. And I think to devalue them and just give it to the players, like, do you really want, like, Michael Carter-Williams to get an MVP vote? <laughs> that would be amazing. No, okay, so no, I, I agree with that, but how do you then identify the correct media member? Uh, that's the question. I mean, I, I think... You know, I don't know if you do necessarily need to identify, quote, the correct media member. Like, I, what, there are 128 voters, I want to say, somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah, it's 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 a huge group. Yeah. So, like, do you make a panel? I mean, I would... A committee? I would say it should probably be a little smaller. But, you know, then at that point, it's a question of, like... I would just look at voting record, honestly, and, like, look at... Like, a guy like Matt Moore, to go back to him. Like, if you put in the work to and, like, sh- show that, you know, you really spent hours and hours and hours of analyzing tape and statistics and speaking with people mm-hmm. across the league, like, you deserve a vote. You absolutely earned it. If you submit a ballot within five minutes and all of your votes, you know, the guy who voted, like, Damian Lillard on the all-defensive team, you, you might not deserve a vote. So, like... Wait, Matt Moore doesn't have a vote? I, I think he does, but I'm saying, like, some... Yeah, I was just... Oh, okay. I was just thinking, if he didn't have... Yeah. If Matt Moore didn't have a vote, something was wrong. Right. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. I would assume he does. But, like, people who, who you know, really analyze this thoroughly, I think it's fine for them to have a vote. And I think part of the appeal of the, the race is that, yeah, there's not a set criteria, but, like, if there was set criteria, then it becomes a little too cookie-cutter, right? Like, if you're just saying, like, he must reach this number of wins, or his team must reach this number of wins, he must have a yeah. PER above this, like... Right, it becomes too mechanical. Right, like, I think it's... I yeah. think, you know, we had... This was one of the best MVP races we've had in a long time this past year. And, like, there are three or four guys that had really strong legitimate cases for it my question is i guess would maury have a legit gripe if harden won no he wouldn't have said anything so is there a problem with the award itself or is it his problem with the winner well more specifically it's his problem with the winner i i still think there is like an underlying problem yeah you know what we should just we we should just put this responsibility to pop (laughs) (laughs) Just hey, he he would hate it, oh and that's God. why we should do yeah. it. Just because of he would hate it so much, and that's partly why. It's just so we get a media reaction out of him. Just go, so pop who you have for MVP, and just go oh. Tim Duncan. That would be beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> Tim Duncan. <laughs> uh, no, I I I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a great question, Brian. Like what we should do. I, and I agree with you entirely that the people who do put hours upon hours in should have a say if that's the way you go. But then you have to, like you, as you said, narrow the field. Yeah. Then you shouldn't have, you know, local guys get a chance to vote for the local. Per- I mean, look back in the day, PJ Brown got an MVP vote, right? Mm-hmm. That's those type of things should just not happen. And what? Wait, wait, who got like a Defensive Player of the Year uh, vote? in 2016 which was just ridiculous i don't remember isaiah thomas got one this year hey well there you go right (laughs) yeah like but didn't that's not serious didn't they remove i thought they removed like the team broadcasters they used to get votes and i don't think they do anymore 
Yeah, they did. Yeah, but but like they still have writers on. Oh, there, like right? beat writers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think there's like 120 national writers out there right. with. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in today's landscape, there's going to be 64 people, and they all work for Fox Sports in the video department next year. um sarah i mean so you know we we had countless mvp debates this spring uh and you guys both had Kawhi. i kind of fluctuated between harden and russ uh do you think do you have a big problem with how the award is structured now or do you think it's you know pretty okay could use some minor adjustments however and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not as militant about it as Morton is. <laughs> I don't uh I don't really want a criteria unless it is something it would have to be, you know, several categories that each count for a little bit, like team success, player efficiency, you know. I don't like that everybody was kind of enamored more than they needed to be with this arbitrary triple double thing. Uh but but this year was was sort of an outlier too. You know, it was usually it doesn't go this way. This was something that we haven't seen happen. So I'm not that mad about it. <laughs> what what really struck me more than even the argument that he was making, because we know that Maury said it because this guy didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more illuminating for me uh, about Maury's kind of personality and his outlook on life, because he does. I mean. You go back to his wanting just the threes and the layups and wanting something to be clear cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just not the way that life is. Right, <laughs> like, right. Come, come, come live in the mid range with the rest of us. It's a lot more fun here. Um, so yeah, I like I like uh, the uncertainty of it. I like not having a set criteria that gives you the definite answer. There is no definite answer. So, well, I agree with know, that. I don't Can advocate I interject? for that. Yeah. No. Okay. And I mean, if he's really that upset about Russ winning because he had fewer, or the Thunder had fewer wins than the Rockets, then Kawhi Leonard's on line one because the Spurs had more. That's wins. the thing. He thinks if if it were for that, then his guy would have won. Kawhi is still a great candidate and arguably a better candidate than your candidate. So I don't know what you know what he's trying to do here. I mean, I do know, but right. I don't <laughs> see how he's going to accomplish it with what he's arguing right. for. Uh, Kawhi was still great too, but he still wants. I guess he's probably looking at the efficiency and the assists and the points created. And the, okay, well, you know, you don't you don't care about the defensive end then. Yeah, we just said no, Kawhi is the best two way player in the league like thirty minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> Kawhi Kawhi got icky robbed, like back in twenty what was it two thousand and six the slam oh, dunk contest. Oh my god, don't even. Yeah, like we got robbed. We got yeah. robbed. Yo. Ka- Kawhi got icky robbed. I I would not that go that point. far. At least there were the, like <laughs> oh, there robbed. were three deserving candidates this year, and you can only award mm-hmm. one. Like it's not a participation trophy. Like someone had to win, and there were three guys who deserved to. And the wrong one won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't think there's a perfect answer here. Is what it ultimately mm-hmm. comes down to, but. I kind of now hope... Which is what Maury wants. Right, <laughs> But right. it doesn't exist. I, yeah. I hope now... Like, we have to assume that Harden's numbers are going to go down with Chris Paul in the fold, so he might not even be in the top two or top three. But I kind of hope, just to, to be dicks, like, there should be a coordinated effort among the media to always vote James Harden as the number two finisher in the MVP race. Just every year. <laughs> <laughs> 
every year until oh. he retires. Just right, good job, James. This is the anarchy part of you that I was referring to. <laughs> Here's another silver medal, James. Congratulations. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're horrible. I think that's uh, a good place to wrap up. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod in our bio. You can find all three of our Twitter handles. So give us a follow as well. Check us out on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You too, Take Brian. Take care, y'all. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.